Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Today's guest almost always cycles alone, and she's been in and throughout the United States, Canada, six times through the Norwegian area, Africa, South America, and so many amazing trips. And along her journey, her bike was broken, which led to an extraordinary experience in the African bush. And I promise you all are going to be amazed at today's story. And her name is Ursula. Well, welcome to the show, Ursula. Hello. Nice to be here. Do you like how I gave them that little teaser that there's 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 a great, great, yeah. extraordinary story <laughs> coming as a result? Yeah. Um, I love for our listeners to hear a little bit more about you and how you started. So let's first talk about where you're located now and where were you located at the time that you decided to do your first tour? Okay, I still live in Freiburg, which is in the south of Germany in the beautiful, beautiful Black Forest. It's wonderful to cycle here. Welcome to everybody. (laughs) And um, I started... uh, 2006 when my children were grown up and left the house and I just moved with my clinic and I was run out of money and I said I need a holiday what can I do and then I started to put ads in the newspapers to look for people to accompany me actually the plan was to go down the Nanube river from Freiburg which starts very close to my home to the end to the Black Sea and um I found a couple of people who wanted to join me and a guy who said, no, let's go to Sweden. So we were eventually from 18 people who were interested. We were three left and it didn't work out. And that's all cycling, 18 people to cycle together. Yeah, but we were only three left, actually. All the others dropped out somehow and we were two ladies and one man. And uh, on the third day, it already didn't work out. So I was alone. I didn't have any outdoor experience. I didn't have a compass. I didn't have a proper map at that time. I didn't have a mobile phone either. Mm -hmm. So I was quite lost in the woods on the very first day. And it started to rain and it was cold. And I couldn't find my way out of this Swedish wood. And (laughs) then I had a, a sort of very big fear. I wouldn't say it was panic, but fear coming up that evening when it got dark in the woods. And I sat down on a rock and a big rock and I put my bike next to the tree and I said, come on now, stay calm. And then I said, I've got peanut butter, I've got dried fruit, nuts and chocolate and biscuits and I need very little food and I can drink the water everywhere. 
And when and I have my tent, my cooker, and my mattress to sleep and my sleeping bag. So I'm fine. And then I realized that this stone was getting warm. And I had this, this feeling of all the peace of the earth is inside of me. And I can manage. And of course, two days later, I found the way out of the woods. And this experience was the kickoff to have a very, very extraordinary, happy journey. And since then, except for one journey, I cycled alone. <laughs> wow. So you overcame a lot on that first journey. Yes. Mm. So and where did you fear. where did you go from there? What was what was your next tour? Tell or tell us about you know the summary of the tours you've done. Oh, um, the next year I did Sweden. Actually, I did Sweden again, the north of Sweden, which was pretty cold. Then in uh, 2008, I did the Jacobs pilgrimage from Freiburg to Santiago de Compostela, which is in Spain. But I didn't do the main route. I did the route along the Atlantic Ocean, which is a lot mm. of ups and downs, but beautiful, beautiful villages and a wonderful, wonderful trip. The next year I did, um, well, that was 2,500 kilometers. I don't know how much is that in miles, but mm. when I reached the cathedral, I had exactly 2,500 kilometers and lots of experiences and three times I was almost dead and always safe before drowning and so on. Then I did the United States, the next year again Sweden, then I did 2011 Iceland together with a partner whom I met in Sweden, a young guy from Romania. It was the only trip we did together because we planned to cycle once around the earth um, against children's poverty. We had a big project. I got a lot of money for that. I got a lot of bicycles from the companies who were interested in advertisement. And unfortunately, because of a disease, I couldn't go. And the next day, the next big trip, which was exactly one-tenth of the cycling around the world, was, ice, uh, was Siberia. So it was going through Siberia around the Baikal Lake. Then I crossed the Mongolian desert, the Gobi Desert, all the way from the north to the south. It was amazing. And, and China, where I ended up in jail, unfortunately. That was also a big story. <laughs> the next year I did Canada. Then, um, well, around those big lakes, the seven, five big snakes lakes, then Zambia, then was Africa, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, until South Africa. That's where the big break breaking of the bike happened. And the next year, unfortunately, I was ill. I couldn't go. I had a broken spine. And then um, I cycled around the Botnik Sea, which is from completely around the Botnik Sea, which is from uh, Stockholm to Helsinki, Sweden and Finland. And then the next year I did Chile from Patagonia, the south to the north of the Atacama Desert, which was thousands of kilometers. But I cycled during the day and I hitchhiked in the night. So I sometimes did 300 kilometers in one go on the back of a car <laughs> and the next year was Norway and well last year I was in Iceland again that's all the trips I did <laughs> wow I'm 
I'm almost speechless, which is hard for me to get speechless. I talk a lot. <laughs> that is incredible. And without going into any of the individual trips yet, I want to ask you, Ursula, you've mentioned a couple of times that you've faced some health challenges and injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, um, the, the worst was actually uh, probably having been careless with water in a very stressy situation in Africa. So in Zambia, I got dirty water and I got sick with, um, very sick. And then I broke down on the street and somebody took me to a so-called hospital in the bush, which was one room with 46 people in one room who had all the injuries you can just think of. And I was again and again unconscious and I was with lots of diarrhea, vomiting, not nice. I had syringes, I had all the medical equipment with me, but I didn't know where my bike was and I was unconscious most of the time. So I I couldn't even tell this so-called doctor. But my experience is that from every time I get in serious trouble, something very beautiful Um, how do you say, comes afterwards. Mm -hmm. And this time they wanted to put me in jail because of some problems they had with another German lady. So I had to flee from this so-called hospital and I was very ill. And then I was standing on the street hitchhiking, not hardly being able to stand on both legs. And a man took me, a professor for fishing industry, and he took me with him to the Namib Desert. And in the desert, he went to an old man who, where he bought a gown which is embroidered with beautiful colors in the old-fashioned way. And I asked him, why do you need that? Because he wore normal clothes like me. And he said, well, next week, my young sister will have her wedding in the bush of Angola. And I said, oh, wow, that's wonderful. And then anyway, he took me to his home and I could lie there and until I was better Then I cycled to Swakopmund along through the desert, the Nami Desert, along the sea, which was wonderful, breathtaking, beautiful trip. And then I went to his brother. And when I was recovered all the way, his brother asked me, when I was already on my bike, he asked me, well, wouldn't you like to come with me to the wedding? And I said, oh, yes. Mm. (laughs) So I did. And I had the most amazing three on this bush wedding, which was just incredible in the middle of the bushes and an experience which I would never, ever forget and which I'm very, very grateful for. And that's how in all the trips it works out like that. Each time, even after the jail in China, somebody... Which we need you to to tell that story at least. I mean, I'm so curious. We need to know how you ended up in jail in China. Well... um, I started this trip uh, with my good friend Petru and uh, he decided in the Gobi Desert to, in German, there's an expression, oh, sorry, there's an expression, uh, I send you to the desert means I don't want to ever see you again. So he decided that because he fell in love and, well, I didn't want that and that was the problem. (laughs) And then we uh, for that trip, I was not independent. It was the first time I was not completely independent. So I carried the tools and 
all the extra parts for the bikes because of course in the Gobi Desert you can't find anything you have to help yourself if the bike is broken so I had a lot of tools and a lot of extra parts to carry and I carried the kitchen and he had our tent mm. so when we separated I ended up being sort of homeless and I was dependent suddenly on the help of the nomads who live in the yurts you say yurts mm -hmm. the white tent Mm -hmm. So um, I I had lots of wonderful experiences because of that. Wonderful people, amazing insight in their culture. And the Yurt people don't even know what uh, is it. If you own something, they don't know what ownership means because in the Yurt, everything belongs to the family and to everybody. And you have no privacy. Three generations live in one tent It's incredible. And me in the middle. <laughs> and wow. then I came to China, just crossed the border and, of course, was looking for a place to stay. And I was in a tiny little, very, very poor village with 12 houses of clay, very, very poor. And a young couple took me in. And when their father came, he called the police because they thought I'm a spy. <laughs> Wow. And, well, <laughs> and then I ended up in jail. They took the bike. They put, took all my stuff from me, everything except for the little mobile phone, which my children gave me for this trip. They said, mother, it's too dangerous to go without a mobile phone. So I had this little mobile phone with me in the back of the, you know, the bicycle clothes have these pockets in the mm -hmm. back. So there was always toilet paper and this mobile phone. <laughs> and uh, on the second day in jail, I sort of, um, I was I was guarded by people all night long. So they thought I must be extremely dangerous. It was incredible. And uh, <laughs> the second day, I knew there was a translator coming. So she was very afraid. And she said, oh, they're not going to kill you. I think they're not going to kill you. I hope they're not going to kill you. And she was so afraid that I started being afraid also. And I heard a podcast before about torturing Western people and so on. And so I was getting worried and I took out the mobile phone, which in the whole Siberian country and Mongolia did not have reception. So mm. the energy was still inside. So it was not empty. And I put it on the next morning when all those guards and policemen came And I waved with it. You know, I'm tall and they are very small. So all of them are up to my chin, sort of. And I waved with this mobile phone so they could see it's actually on. But it didn't have reception. I said, I called the German embassy and they know where I am. And you please have to let me out of here in two hours time latest. Otherwise, there will be a third world war coming. And they were shocked. So obviously... Well, in the school, I once, uh, 40 years ago, I was in a theater group. So obviously it worked. <laughs> and they believed me that I had really called for help. And two hours later, I was out of there. <laughs> wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Did you that actually was... contact the German embassy ever to like report that this no, had happened? No, 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 no. I didn't have any reception until I was in Beijing. Then the mobile phone started to work again. But all the other time, there was no contact to the outside world. Wow. I had to live alone in the desert and get along. 
Wow, this is a this is incredible. This is a, a lot has happened to you yes. in pleasure and joy and in overcoming some very yes. serious obstacle obstacles on this on these journeys. Yeah. But also this time there was something nice in the end because the dolmetscher lady, the one who translated, uh, she had an aunt in the next village and they invited me when they picked me up out of the jail and I got my bike back and I got all my bags back and everything was fine and I was allowed to go on. They invited me for a sort of breakfast and there was a few old people sitting around one pot with dumplings and they gave me those uh, sticks to eat. What's it called? Chopsticks. Those chopsticks, yeah. And they gave me those and I couldn't manage to get a dumpling out of this pot. And those Chinese people also, when you take photos, they never, ever smile. They always look very serious. And I dropped this dumpling again and again and again. I just couldn't get it out of this pot with the chopsticks. And then one after the other started to laugh. It was so funny to make those people smile. <laughs> and eventually the one who seemed to be the chief of this little village, he went some places and he brought an old, very rusty fork. And I got this fork and finally I could got join to the meal. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009, and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Ursula, this, these are these are incredible experiences and a lifetime of memories that you've made. Yes. And, you know, I know that there's um, there's one other story that we really want to talk about today, which is what happened in the African bush when your bike was yeah. was broken. Um, yeah, I, I I would love for you to start how that whole journey began. Yeah, um, that was the second journey where I thought I should not go alone. Not because of the wild animals. One of my brothers and sisters had had a clinic there for many years, actually a bush clinic, and he's a doctor. A bush clinic and another clinic, and in the city. And he said, look. You can go through Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, and South Africa alone. Don't worry about white animals, but worry about the men, because men in that time, in that area, have the right to use the women whatever they want. And it's sort of a special, oh, I don't know the English word, a special honor if you have had sex with a a blonde and blue-eyed, light-colored person. And uh, so they said, also my parents have been in Africa many, many times, and they said, don't do it. Then I got to know about warm showers and about uh, the beautiful idea of finding people. 
So I found a lady from San Francisco and uh, she had connected a man from France. So we were three of us going. But when this unfortunate thing with my disease happened and I was in hospital, they continued traveling. So eventually I was alone. And uh, this bike thing happened when somebody wanted to, to put air in the bike and not what usually happens if somebody puts too much air, the pipe explodes. But this time, the metal of the bike, I don't know the English word. Mm, the rim. The rim, yeah. The rim exploded and the pieces flew. And it was a horrible wow. noise. And of course, there was no way of getting extra parts anywhere. So I hitchhiked with the police for many hundreds of kilometers to a big city, which is called Rundu. And in Rundu, there was a shop, which they told me would be a bike shop, but it wasn't. It was only for rangers. And then I was actually at the end and I thought, oh God, my journey has ended mm -hmm. <laughs> after a few weeks. And then I sat on the ground crying and crying and I was so sad and I thought, how do I get home with the broken bike? And then a person came, a very big, dark colored man, and he said, little white lady, why are you crying so much? Don't cry. And I said, oh, my bike is broken. So on. And he said, well, I know a lady in the bush. Her name is Salome, and she can fix bikes, and I couldn't believe it. And then he explained where it is, and I had a day to walk that direction, but I didn't find her. And then a taxi driver stopped next to me and said, you are walking here up and down all day long. What's your problem? And I said, I'm looking for a lady who can fix a bike. Her name is Salome. And he said, well, that's my cousin. Come along. I'll take you there. Mm. So I met Salome and Salome really did all her best. We welded the bike, we put new pieces and it was from the feeling double as heavy than it was before. But we found lots of old rusty pieces. We had to change everything inside of the bike and it worked. It worked. And when I wanted to pay her for many hours, another man She said, no, you leave all the parts of your bike and they are so beautiful and I can sell them and uh, don't pay. And I said, yes, I want to pay you. And then she said, look, if you want to give some, give something for my children. I asked, how many children do you have? And she said, 50. And I thought she had mistaken the 50 and the 15, but she didn't. Then I gave her a stick and said, paint it in the sand. And she painted the 50 And I said, that's not possible to have 50 children. And then she said, well, six are my own and all the others are orphans from the AIDS disease where the parents died of AIDS. And she had to adopt them to take them into her um, care. And um, money I had in Quatscha and in euro and a dollar i left everything there and i said you need the money not i i can manage somehow and then uh, i left and i asked her what's the first thing you need the most important thing i will help you and she said we need shadow i don't know what why is that and then she said well the kids can play outside in the summer the Uh, the sand is too hot and they can't be outside in the winter when it's raining. And then I had... So say that this. again. We had a little glitch in the technology for those that are listening. We'll ask you to say that again. The one thing uh, that she needed was shade. 
Yeah. Okay, keep going. Shade. And then um, she explained why. And then um, I said, okay, I will get you the money for a roof by Christmas time. That was in September when I returned. What year? And uh, wait, Africa was six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2000, no longer, 2014. Yes, 2014. Okay. And then I promised her I'll get that money for you. And uh, then I cycled on and then I remembered that I had sold a huge bag for my bike. Probably, you know, the Ortlieb, uh, the Ortlieb bags, they mm-hmm. have uh, plastic on one side and material on the other. They're very strong. So I mm-hmm. bought that material and I sold a huge bag for my bike, which was three times folded and a zipper all around. And how do you say laces to, to carry it on my back? Like a so backpack, like, yeah. Yeah, like a backpack with the whole bike inside. So I re- I thought, and this thing, I had it unrolled every night to put my tent on. So it was the basement of my tent, sort of. And then I returned to her and she said, oh, is the bike broke again? I said, no, 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 don't worry. I just have an idea for a shadow, which you can have immediately. And then I unrolled it and I showed it to her and she was amazed. And she always said, oh, you're going to give it to us as a present, really? And I said, yes, really, keep it. So they could have a a little roof for the children Mm. to play immediately. And that's how it started. And then I realized how much problems they have, how little food they have. And it developed over the years that I started to make my little project. The project is called Radreisen für Aidsweisen. You will put it in the show notes. Yes, we'll and, put and um, a link and a link to everything. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. And um, now I have I'm sitting on it every night to translate the whole page to English, so you all English speaking people can read it also. And there's a donation button, which the last three days already got some money because one week ago. I heard from Salani. I didn't have contact to her for three and a half months. And I was very worried because they didn't have electricity and because of Corona, lots of, lots of problems. And because of Corona, so many parents have died that from those 50 orphans, there are now 120, which I tried to get uh, the money for schooling and the money for eating. So they are supposed to get one little handful of warm food every day so i'm trying to get until now i managed to get the money to keep on this little kitchen for the orphanage for having a bit of food every day and the school money and now one week ago i had contact to salome finally and she said that they are children are starving because they don't have any money anymore for food Because this year was the first winter because of the climate change that they didn't have rain enough. Mm. So the farmers who used to donate um, a bag of uh, wheat or it's not wheat, it's something similar here and there. They can't donate anything more for the orphanage children. So that's why it's so urgent that we need help to keep those children alive. And I'm working hard now to make it known, make the project known. There is a donation button now. So if you like to help, I don't know how euro and dollar is now, but 
for the German people who listen, they know uh, we need five euro for keeping a child alive with food and uh, schooling education for one week. So it's only five euro for one week uh, to really make a difference for those children and would be yes. wonderful if some people would donate a little bit. And so, Ursula, this has become a big part of your mission. After yes. this breaking down of your bike in this area, you met a woman who is caring for orphaned children, and, and you're doing your, your best to raise funds and support. Yes. Following all these amazing journeys, You that this, this one particular experience actually changed your life to yes. go down this path. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I had a lot of money to build a house. My my big life dream is to build a house with two rooms, one sleeping room for 80 children and one social room where they can eat and do the homework and a little kitchen. And uh, I had a lot of money over the years that I give all my travel presentations for free. And I always get money from the people who come to the presentations and each time there was a big amount that we could start building, uh, something else happened. Once, 73 children were in hospital because of bad water, and I saved all their lives. But then the money was gone again. Mm. And then uh, Blessing's daughter had a Blessing, the daughter of Salome, had a very bad accident, and they wanted to cut her leg off in the bush. And she called me crying when I myself was in hospital. <laughs> And I had lots of angels. So somebody took the girl out of the bush. I could arrange all this by telephone. It was amazing. So many angels who helped. And somebody could pick the girl up from the bush and they saved her leg in the hospital. And she sent me a WhatsApp message saying, Ursula, you were my angel. You saved my leg. Thank you so much. Now I can already limp on crutches. Wow. And now she can walk again. Wow. So we did a lot of good with the money of yeah. helpers, but we start all over again. Well, we, we, you know, we all in this community support um, those that are doing really great work. And so Ursula, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for doing a piece of something super important and bringing this together and giving the opportunity for our listeners to learn more about, first of all, your journeys, which have been amazing. <laughs> and also yes. this incredible project that you're working on. And we will be sure to put all of the information for those that are listening that would like to donate and support the project. We will put that in the show notes so people can find out more. And as the translated version becomes available, they'll get more information, but we will put social media links, the website, everything yes. in the show notes so people can find you if they have any questions specifically. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us, Ursula, and for you know taking charge of all these wonderful areas of your life. We look forward to following you along your journey. Thank you. Thank you. It was Forever. wonderful. Thank you. Yes, I, I love it. It's been a great chat. And for those of you listening, if you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share it with a friend or post it on your social media. We know that the more people we can share these experiences with, the more our industry and our sector just becomes more richer and filler. Thank you very much. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. 
This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.